This is Amstigator, a podcast that amplifies the voices of instigators, making change and taking names. Most episodes are my interviews with incredible guests, but you've now clicked on what I'm lovingly calling a spin-off mini-series of solo episodes with me, your host, Lauren Lowry. Each one of these features two words that will change your life. So let's get started. Have you noticed this shift that's been happening in the last few years specifically? It's this movement away from the need to incessantly do and toward this idea of just doing less. I'll admit, I'm a big fan of this change, <laughs> but it's not something that's native to me. It's something I've honestly learned the hard way that unless I did less, I'd continue causing irreparable damage to my body. If your pop culture memories come anytime after 1990, you might think this constant need to grind is just what we do. But intuitively, you got to know that can't possibly be the case, right? I mean, yes, we work hard in this country, but it got really out of control in the last mm, 40-ish years. So we're going to do a history lesson around early America. We'll talk through the digital age and then how a popular shoe slogan has shifted our society. And then we'll get into what I mean when I say to you, do less, and how you can apply it for yourself. So Teacher Lauren's going to take you back. You ready for history? Anthropologists will tell you our American obsession with work goes way, way back to our nation's founding, like Pilgrims, Puritans, Plymouth Rock, 1620, okay? They brought with them this belief that hard work was a sign of eternal salvation. You're going to go to heaven only if you work hard, okay? And in fact, being a hard worker was a sign of your value. Lazy people died on the Mayflower. Lazy people also died in Massachusetts winters in the 1600s. So they developed this survivor bias around hard work equals heaven. Now remember, the Puritans left England to start a new life in America, partly for religious freedom, but then also for others. They came because there was no social hierarchy here. There wasn't a caste system. There wasn't a monarchy. So if a person did something special for their family, if they provided, if they worked to the bone and survived, they stood out and they were praised for it. In absence of a hierarchy, Americans found that money created class and exclusivity. That's how you got status symbols, wealth, titles, possessions, etc. It was the beginning of what would eventually become what we know today as like the almighty dollar. So fast forward 350-ish years, and this religious ideal that hard work equals heaven morphs into a societal expectation that hard work makes you money, which makes you valuable. So now the equation is no longer hard work equals heaven. It's hard work equals good and valuable person. There's a lot of research around Americans using work as a measure of self-worth, meaning I work hard, therefore I am a good person. And it all comes down to our ideas as individualists. And this means that in this country, we tend to think that it's on us to take care of ourselves. Nobody else. Our research shows we are one of the most, if not the most, individualistic countries in the whole world. We think it's all or nothing. We think it's just us. It's the pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. So if I stay unemployed for a while, I would be saying, okay, something's wrong with me, I must be flawed. Clearly, I can't pull myself out of this quagmire. Well, the opposite of that is true in most other countries that have a collectivist mentality. It's opposite of individualistic. Now, remember, individualists say, I'm on my own. Well, collectivists say, 
We take care of each other. And when people in those countries go without a job, they say, uh, something's wrong with the system. They don't say, something's wrong with me. So fast forward to the Great Depression in the 1930s, or even the Great Recession in 2008, or the next big era of job loss that we just saw in the pandemic, and people in this country are struggling with how to gauge their self-worth. Okay, so we've got this built-in need for hard work in this country. But think about how computers have shifted this whole notion of hard work. After World War II, the stock market started to boom. Trade volumes more than doubled from the late 1940s to the late 1960s, to the point that traders couldn't even handle the mountain of physical paper in front of them. It would take them five days to execute trades. So by 1968, the FTC was like, okay, we can't use paper anymore. We got to find a new system. And they're like, we got to use computers. By 1973, brokerage firms were required to implement a data system. And they went from barely handling a trade volume of 12 million shares a day to now pushing anywhere between 2 and 6 billion shares a day. And that's all because of computers. So now we combine this equation that we already had, longstanding in America, hard work equals good and valuable person, and then we put it on steroids because of computers. And so now computers make us good and valuable people even faster. So we're hooked, right, on showing the world how good and valuable we are because we're doing so much and we're working so hard and we're doing it at lightning speed. So consider this. In 1980, there were only about 4,000 millionaires in this country. By 1990, 10 years later, that number was more than 63,000 millionaires. That was a 15x explosion of millionaires, okay? And then you add in the dot-com boom that came after it. That led to an explosion of entrepreneurship from the 90s and beyond. And now, present day, we have more than 5.3 million millionaires in this country. That's an 84x explosion in three more decades. Think about that. Oh, and by the way, too, we have 770 billionaires in this country. Just think about how these people are venerated in our culture. They're on the news. They're celebrated as special or good or newsworthy just because they, quote unquote, worked hard and became a good and valuable person and earned all this money. Now, this is all part of that hustle culture narrative. It's the hashtag grind set. It promotes the idea that there's always more to strive for, more money to make, uh, a bigger title or promotion to secure, and a higher ceiling to smash. The message has been simple. If we totally immerse ourselves in our work, we'll be a good and valuable person, right? Like that's what makes us worthy. Hard work equals worthiness in this case. Well, the digital age has changed everything, e even in my own industry. It used to be all you had to do in your day, day one, literally, just a single story. You shot it, you wrote it, you got it edited, you made slot, which means you got it on the air, and then you were done. Well, now the requirements are like literally so much more. You're doing the visual story, the written web story, which is formatted totally differently. You turn at least two social posts about your story. You write and shoot potentially two other on-camera versions of that same story to run on our streaming platforms and other shows. You also might turn anywhere between four and six vertical videos just for our digital platform as well to promote your story that's coming up later. And you do it all in one day. It is a major source of frustration in every newsroom I've ever been in, truly. And managers say, look, it's the way of the world. You got to do more to survive. This is what viewers want. And it is also why burnout is rampant 
in broadcast television. It's why you see so much turnover on the air in your local news, just so you know, because it's exhausting. (laughs) And it doesn't help that pop culture is backing up this whole idea of hustle. In 1988, a marketer by the name of Dan Whedon came up with a slogan for a smaller sportswear company out of Oregon. Now, they weren't really that well-known, but they needed a bigger profile to match their new fame from a certain shoe. Now, this shoe was considered a a punt when they took a chance on a rookie out of North Carolina who was drafted to the Chicago Bulls. That rookie was Michael Jordan. The company was Nike, and the shoe was Air Jordans. And this new slogan by Dan Whedon in 1988 was just do it. That slogan was the foundation for Nike to absolutely explode in the 90s. And it caught on because of our obsession with doing. It was now immortalized on sportswear and seared into our culture's consciousness. It reminded us there's always more to strive for, more money, more things, more Air Jordans, an all-around bigger life. Because remember, hard work would make you a good and valuable person, right? So I'm well aware of how out of touch it might seem for me to tell you with all your responsibilities and all the social influences to do less. However, that's exactly what you're going to do. I spent a lot of time thinking, right? I'm somebody who lives in my head. So before meditation, that was actually a, a pretty tumultuous place to be. These days, it's pretty peaceful. But it took focused and concentrated effort. It took me work to commit to doing less to go against decades of conditioning by my family, my teachers, my industry, my Instagram feed, and really society at large. Because I totally bought into that equation, the hard work equals good, valuable person. And it landed me in a hospital, as listeners of this podcast know. But we're taught to just do more, live more, want more, grind more. We're taught that if you work hard, you're a good person, that everything will work out because you'll be rewarded. Sometimes it ends badly. Sometimes our bodies get so overwhelmed by these preconceived ideas we have for our lives that we get weighed down. We get steamrolled by our own unconscious beliefs. In my experience, life has a way of delivering the same lessons over and over until you get it. It was the topic of my entire season three, you guys. My lesson was that I believed that unhealthy equation, that hard work makes you a good, valuable person. My self-worth was based on what I could produce until my body couldn't produce anymore. And that's when I learned this lesson of doing less. I realized doing more didn't determine if I was worthy. It didn't determine if I was talented or special because my productivity didn't determine my value. By choosing to change what I believed, I gave myself permission to choose another way, a way that resulted in better sleep, lower stress, higher productivity, happier kids, happier me. (laughs) And we're seeing it everywhere now in social media trends like the minimal Mondays and quiet quitting. People are starting to wake up and say, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be this way. Gallup is seeing this in its research. It puts out that annual researcher on employee engagement, and it's been steadily dropping FYI since 2020. We're down to 32% of people, full and part-time employees, actively engaged. And then there's 18% of workers who are actively disengaged. You know what that tells me? that a lot of people just aren't buying the BS anymore. Hustle culture says hard work is how you get what you want, but it never tells you there's another way. I would challenge you to say there is another way. It's the do less way. 
Also, it has its challenges, but only at first because it's against the grain. Once your body gets used to giving your nervous system a break and valuing your health and your time, you'll realize you never felt better. Now, I, I do feel like I need to say this. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with striving to achieve status. Uh, some people really thrive in that environment with competition and motivation, push, 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 push mentality. I'm just asking you to decide if you're actually one of those people. Because if you're still listening to this episode and you're still with me, you're probably not. <laughs> okay? There's research that shows if we would just change our viewpoints around work, we would be so much happier. Uh, the 2020 World Happiness Report uh, shows that the Nordic countries, once again, swept the top five. Newsflash, they do this every year. And they have strong social safety nets, well-functioning governments, high quality of life, and then this emphasis on work-life balance. It is actually opposite of the U.S. because we only value work. We don't have work-life balance. We have an imbalance. In this international report, we actually came in 18th. People in countries that value leisure over work have greater life satisfaction. Think about that. We're doing all this hustling and grinding and stressing for what? To realize we're not satisfied, that we have no balance, that we hate what we do, or we never get to be with the people who make us happy? So let's take a moment to process that. What would it look like to do less? What makes you truly feel joy and fulfillment? How can you do more of that and do less of the stuff that feels heavy? So in the spirit of doing less, I'm about to take my end of summer break from the podcast. I have found it really important for me to take those ritualistic creative breaks where I don't have the weekly deadline of creating new podcast episodes. I did the same thing in December of last year. Uh, I took my creative winter and came back in February. But this end of summer break is actually more meaningful because I'm marking the one-year anniversary of my extended hospitalizations. I've taken days off from work to honor the beginning of all of it because it was truly devastating and truly traumatic. And I will probably never forget the dates. I already have really exciting things planned for the next few months. I am preparing to give a TED Talk. I'm also planning the next iteration of Amstigator. So there's a lot to look forward to in this break as I build for what's next. So as you go through the week, I encourage you to shine your light, lead with your heart, and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.